Does anyone need a booklet? We've got these booklets. If you'd like a booklet, do you want a booklet? Yep, just down the front one here. Ed, where's your booklet, mate? Come on, mate. I never got one. <laughs> so just keep your hand up. You want a booklet uh, until we get you a booklet. And we're all working off, really, which is just the Bible. These are just directly out of the Bible themselves. Just this lady here, Janine. Thank you. And uh, we're up to page two. If you want to make your way down to the three quarters down the page, this statement of truth. And um, last Sunday night, we unpacked sort of from the working towards the predestined finished plan down to the statement of truth. But I do just want to touch very quickly on two things because we really need to grasp this if we're going to grasp everything that is written in here. How many people want to be in Sabbath rest? That's about a quarter of the room. <laughs> Do you know that you actually need to enter into Sabbath rest to understand the predestined, predetermined work of God that is already finished? Do we believe what he says or do we believe what we say? It's easy to say we all believe in what he says and then we live completely differently, which would indicate we probably don't really believe what he says, yeah? Or we have a mental agreement with what he says, but we don't fully have a revelation of what he says. So our lives can look very different. So it talks about in Hebrews that God's works were finished from the foundation. Do you believe that? Are you fully convinced in your heart that before you ever turned up, everything in him was finished? So you're entering into a finished realm, that means. You're entering into a reality when you're born of a predestined, pre-worked reality that you need to know about, yeah? It's not about you figuring out you for you and working it all out in you and creating your own reality, because the Bible says there's a race that is set before us. It's not being set, it has been set. Do you believe that? Because this will radically influence your life and your role in the body, in the kingdom, and in the life to come. Doesn't it say that godliness is profitable for this life today and the life to come. Yeah? Okay, so what is this life that's already finished now that we need to know so it influences the life to come? Because certainly if we don't know it, we're not really going to know the life to come and we're going to live our own lives while here, correct? So that's a real issue, isn't it? No, not really? I think this is massive. This is the difference between life and not. This is the difference between knowing who God is and who you really are and not. This is the difference between every promise that is yes and amen in here and not. So you and I have been predestined. Do you believe that? 
So before you were even born, do you believe you were chosen? So chosen for purpose, what would that be? What would be the number one purpose for why you were given life? To worship God. But can you worship God unless you, what do you need to, you need to know God to worship God. Yeah? So your number one purpose is to know him and then to know everything in him because only then can you discover who you are. So your identity is connected to the predestined, predetermined, finished plan of heaven, correct? To not know that plan is to really not know who you are and you'll create who you are or your own understanding of who you are, which robs the body of Christ because God builds sons but as a son, we can live as slaves. And slaves don't enter into everything or don't live as sons, even though they are sons, because they're always behind the eight ball. They're always sort of like not quite possessing and accessing what they can because of their mindsets and their heart attitudes and their understandings and the thoughts and their ways. And God says things like, guys, you do not know my thoughts. And you certainly don't know my ways. And if you don't know my thoughts and my ways, then how can you enter into this thing called rest? Which the writer of Hebrews said, be diligent to make sure you enter into this thing. Why? So you can actually be still for long enough for God to teach you. Teach me what? His predestined finished plan. Here's the thing. When you and I can't be still because we're still living, he can't teach you. You don't sit down long enough to be taught. Who went to school here? Out of choice or made to go? (laughs) I ate people's lunches because I was always bigger than them. It was good. played football, learned a little bit. But you go to school to learn, correct? And one of the things about being able to be taught is you actually can be still and allow the person who's teaching you to teach and to concentrate and to think and receive what they're trying to impart, correct? So you actually need to be still, don't you? But here's the thing, sometimes I was always thinking about playing football next week, and so although the person is teaching, I'm sitting there thinking, dreaming about lunch or someone else's lunch or, you know, what I'm going to be doing next week or whether I'm going to be playing football on Sunday. And so I'm not really presently present, even though I'm physically in a room. And so I can't be still because my mind is racing 100 miles an hour. Anyone relate? You know, you try to put in this quiet time and you sit there and you're there for about a minute before you're making to-do lists. Got to do the washing, got to feed the kids, got to do that, got to pay the tithe, got to put that in the money, got to... And all of a sudden, you're being robbed of him being able to teach you his predestined finished work because you're not in this thing called Sabbath rest. Because this is highly active. Just like our flesh is highly active that wants to take you and distract you into other things. And all of a sudden, your quiet time became a very busy and noisy time being filled with everything but the purpose of why you actually were making quiet time. This is massive. 
And if we don't have a living conviction that there is an already established work of God that we are to enter into, hear and know, we will be outside of it and our lives will be disconnected from it even though he's covering us. This is throughout the entire scriptures what I'm talking about, which we are going to uncover, but you can uncover it in your own time, in your quiet time. <laughs> the disciples had no idea. Do you? Are you a disciple? Do you place and do I place myself inside the living scriptures? Do I ask these types of questions that Jesus asked as a disciple who wants to be Christ-like? How serious am I about what he says? How hungry am I for a reality I do not yet know? Like, What is freedom in Christ? What is that? To live it, not to know it, to live it in the sense of if I know it, know it, I'll be living it. What, what, have you ever asked yourself, what is that? And am I living it? Massive, eh? And so he says, Greg, tell the people because my word says that my works were finished before it ever began. Tell them that their lives were chosen before it ever began. And really encourage them to go after everything that is in me, Sabbath rest, so I can teach them all things that God, my Father, has prepared, that their hearts and minds do not yet know today on the 1st of November 2020, but may know after the gathering of the saints. And how would that change you today if you left receiving a seed of revelation in you that rocks your heart and your mind and you start to come into a reality of who you are predestined to be before you ever had a chance to do this? Man, have we taken that and made that way bigger than the Father? We edify that over this. If you can't see, the first one says sin, the second one says son. We're always about the problem rather than the promise. Why? Because you don't know you were predestined to be a son, so you focus on your sin. What would have been like if when you turned up, he said, you're my son from day one? Well, actually, day one started in Christ before I ever breathed breath. So your beginning is your true starting point. What would that look like? 29 years as a sinner, in darkness, compelled to eternal damnation. Anyone else? But really, before even being born, was predestined because it was a finished reality to be a son. That's good news. It means I'm not a mistake. Hey? Not an accident. Even though mum and dad had a good night. It wasn't even about them. Someone thought me up. Do you know who he is? He's only this guy called Jesus Christ, the creator of all things. 
And then he says, Greg, there is this predestined, pre-finished, already before it began, reality. And when my son came back, he came to fulfill it all, that the church, this nation called Israel, along with two people groups who are grafted in, could know, understand, and live from today and be the demonstration of this today, and that's going to radically impact their future tomorrow. So with that in mind, come down to the statement of truth, which is three quarters down your page. Where do we go to get it all? If you want to know anything, where do you go? If you want to know anything about anything, where do you really go? Where should you go? You go to the source, yeah? You go to the one who made all things. Right. So if you want to find rest, go to the one who said, come here and I'll give you rest. If you want to find the predestined reality, go to the one who created it. Apparently he's the author of it. I read that somewhere. He's the perfecter of it, but not my faith, faith. Okay, statement of truth. The words of God are prophetic, which means God's living words are declaring to us what God has already established spiritually before we come into it and see it manifested in the natural. Did Jesus say continuously, it is written? What is? You ever ask yourself that? For it is written. What's written? I don't know, but it's written, apparently. Who also knew what was written? Satan. So Satan knows what's written. Jesus knows what's written. And they're having a conversation about what is written. And we don't. Who's the odd one out? Bit of a worry when we're all called to be sons, yeah? So if the enemy knows what's written and we don't, do you think he can deceive you? Do you think he can tempt you? And do you think he can lie to you about what is already established? Because if you don't know, if he's speaking from a predestined reality and you don't know it, then you don't know whether it's true or not, correct? And you need to know what's predestined, the word, to be able to fight with him, correct? Because isn't he come to completely mess you and I up? He prowls around like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. He just acts like one. <clears throat> so if he acts like one, are you scared of him? Because if you really know who he is, you're not, yeah? Because you know you have authority over him, yeah? So if he is using what is written to lie to you, to tempt you, to deceive you, and you don't know it, there's a good chance, pretty much every chance, that you will succumb to that because you don't have knowledge of what is already established. Do you see why faith is one of the key three elements now? Because faith sees what is already written. So to not be able to see what's written is to not have 
but you might think you do. That's quite different, isn't it? You see, faith has its anchor in something. Everything has to have a foundation in something, does it not? So faith has its anchor in what is already predestined written. So if I have knowledge of what that is, can I not access that and live in accordance to it now? So what's the role of prophecy in the church? What is it? To call out. To call out what, Pam? To draw out the future, which is when, Pam? Already written. You see, this is what we do. We take these magnificent aspects of God and we shrink them to fit it inside our head. So you know what we've done with prophecy? Which is still prophecy, but it's a very small aspect of prophecy that we've made the macro. We do this. Jenny, in three years' time, God's speaking to me right now, and you're going to be starting a school or a hospital in Kenya. And everyone goes, wow! And is that cool? Yes. Is that prophecy? Yes. Is that all prophecy is? No. Do you think that's what we've made it though? Because the Bible says the scriptures are prophetic. Yeah? So how much prophecy do you know? Like how much of the eternal prophecy do you know? Because prophecy, the gift of a prophet and gift of prophecy is to declare the future now. It's to tell you the macro and the micro, the micro and the macro. But what we tend to do is only focus on earth. Because actually, we don't have our mind set above, we have our mind set on earth because we're very earthy in the way we live this out. So we only tend to teach this micro prophecy about now rather than future now. And we miss out on what's right in front of us because that is a word for Jenny. But what is the word for the Lord, for the people? Hear what I'm saying? Everyone goes, great, Jenny. Well, actually, here you go. Let's open up the prophetic future word foretold of God and give a word for the people so the people become one with the word. Not just celebrating Jenny as she goes and leaves three years' time. Awesome as it is, cool as it is, is prophecy, but it's micro, not macro. And unfortunately, in my experience, there's a lack of understanding the eternal, macro, prophetic big picture that God finished before it began. And you and I need to know it. It's not optional. If you want to be the fulfillment of what he says, it's an absolute need. Can you hear the seriousness of that? Because what did I say? God has promised us a reality. There was a problem which he took care of. Correct? So he took care of the problem so we could enter into the finished, promised reality. And we could know all things. Was not Jesus always teaching them the future? Like I said two weeks ago, their timing was off. Because when he says it to when they hear it, there was always a gap. And even then when someone else came and said it, there was a gap and they never heard it. 
And Jesus said, are your guys' hearts still hard? Are you still lacking in understanding? It's a bit of a tense word, eh? <laughs> the creator of the universe says, are you guys still hardened of heart? Did you not learn any insight from the healing of the 15,000. Did you not see what that was really about? Please, guys, don't tell me you focused on the miracle. Please encourage me. I'm speaking as if this is Jesus, not me. Please, guys, don't tell me you thought that was just about feeding people physical mana. Please, someone here encourage my heart. It's a little bit lonely. Please tell me someone caught the fact that I was actually talking about me being the bread of life and that he who comes to me will have rest. Please tell me you understood it was about eating and drinking of me because if you didn't, you'll have no life within yourself because you'll actually honor and make the miracle the thing instead of making me the greatest miracle in you. Are we hearing? See, just like we do with prophecy, we do it with signs and wonders, we do it with gifts, we take everything and we elevate what's two into number one. And what number one, we make number two. And then we go, why aren't we in life? Uh, duh, because your thoughts are not my thoughts and your ways are not mine, and you continue to try and enter into my life through your way. Anyone hearing? And so we must be apprehended from this, eh? Otherwise, this will always be just a mystery. It will always stay as a mystery to you. And you will not have entered into and you will have come short of a reality that he had for you. And that is not his heart. Okay? It is not his intent. He is so for you. He is not against you. And everything that he does is for us. If he says, lose that, it's for you. If he says, give me that, it's for you. If he says, stop doing that, it's for you. He is not here to wreck your fun. He is here to bring you into eternal life that you can be the subject and the demonstration of him on the earth as individuals, as a body, as a body, as individuals. So God writes it down, but it's spoken first. So you and I must hear the spoken word in the spirit. And then he wants us to see what's written because this never existed at some point. Do not make this your number one. This is not the authority of heaven, Jesus Christ is. It did not say the authority is the scriptures. It, sorry, the authority is in the scriptures. It said authority has been given to who? My son. And so do not make this number one. This is number two. You can know him without the book. Okay, So our one must be him. And if our one's not him, and you're looking for this, trying to figure this out, you're looking in your own mind. And this will always be a mystery, and you'll be outside of something you're to enter into. Go read Hebrews 4 for the entire context of what I'm saying. 3 and 4. Because the Israelites never entered into the promised land. Who can tell me why? Because they never heard when it was spoken, which created the expose them of unbelief in their heart. You see, that's what happens. When you don't believe what's spoken, unbelief gets revealed out of you. And they never entered them because they were in unbelief. And they were Israelites. God's people. 
See how important it is to hear what's said when it's said in the right time and not hear something else. So can you hear this in a way that you're receiving this and you go, yes and amen, and start dropping everything and run too? Because to not is to not enter into your predestined reality of God for you. And it's to be outside trying to live for something else. And really, you're going to struggle. Because if everyone hasn't told you, this world is perishing. I mean, the decisions are being made. And you're not going to be able to stop them. He's going to say, can you stand firm and resist when it comes at you like a torrent? Okay? You ain't going to be able to stop what's coming. It's predestined. People go, oh, i got larger faith than that. I can change it by faith. Oh, come on, my goodness. How are you getting on with that? You know, this is what we do, though, eh? We have this false sense of faith, and we're not in faith, so we're always looking the wrong way, and it's getting darker, but we're to be getting brighter because we know the end from the beginning. See, do you know what the big picture is at the end? So then you can run in accordance to it. So when it all turns up, you're going, well, I'm not here for this. I can stand because my life is anchored to something far greater. This life is nothing compared to. And so I have to have a compared to. And so the role of prophecy is to bring to light what is in the concealed into the earth. We are called to be a prophetic race, a prophetic people. So God has given prophets to raise up prophetic people. A whole church is to be prophetic, is to know this stuff and then to declare it into the earth to the measure that you know it. So it's for all of us to be active participants in, to the measure that we actually have revelation. Cool? So we don't work outside of our boundaries. We don't step into things that we think or feel. We just stay within what we know. Thank you, Lord. Because then we don't create any confusion and we don't falsely represent him when we go, well, I think or feel. He goes, no, no, share the people what you know because I've revealed myself in you and to you. That's the only thing that has power and authority on it. Your words without knowing me are just words. That's not the word. The word is given. The word is shown. The word is imparted into the heart and the mind, and it's written. There we go again. It's written. So what is written gets written. And now I know. So that's the real role of prophecy in the body of Christ. It is to foretell what it knows is concealed in Christ so the people can get ready. So you have an opportunity to hear of something and get ready, yes? God does not want us living in the dark, does he? He wants us being a people of living knowledge, yes? So we may not know the exact day, but we know the times that we live in, yes? And we are to be ready because we're not to be like the one who got found out when the thief came and nicked all their goods. This is how important this is. Look at 2 Peter 1, verse 20 to 21 in your notes. 
But know this first. <laughs> Whenever you see first, stop and ask why. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. First point, first base principle is prophecy comes from the Father because it's His work. He's the author. He writes it. He finishes it. Everything is complete in Him. And then He has to give it to man. Man does not study it. Man does not learn it. Man does not figure it out as intellect. Man does not study Hebrew and Greek and all those things and figure out what is eternal. He can only through his own intellect figure out what is temporal, which can be good, true, but it's not eternal. Can you hear the difference? I am not saying don't go study that safe. What I'm saying is it does not produce eternal food. Only Jesus Christ is the eternal food. Why do you work for food that perishes, Nick? Why are you fishing all day long? Why are you catching, trying to catch bread? Why are you working for food that perishes when I am here, John 6, and I'm the one of eternal food, and I say, eat me and drink of me, but because you can't hear me, you miss me. And so you continue to work for food that perishes. Why do you do that? Because you can't hear what's right in front of you when it's said. You're unaware of what is right in front of you. Isn't that the pattern of Scripture? Do you think that you're outside of the pattern? Do you understand? Do you understand the pattern applies to us? Like you don't go, well, I'm special. That pattern doesn't apply to me, God. God's patterns are established. So he then has this finished plan, and then he outworks from the beginning what already is finished. So it's a movie that's already made, and it's rolling itself out. We're characters in this movie, and we need to know the end of the movie because we're called to work that, live in alignment to the end of the movie. We're not creating a movie inside a movie. Yeah? We love to do this. We love to become the character of the, our, our story, but not his. And we love to be the superhero that flies all around the world trying to save the planet. He's going, no, that's my role. You're the... <laughs> <laughs> You're not even that. You're the one behind the scenes running with the pen clip, you know, making sure everyone's got cups of tea. Well, that's not a great role in this movie. Well, that's the role I've chosen for you. It's a very important role. And we need you to play that role because it benefits everyone who's also playing their role because there's no role greater than the other because I decide which role is what was role. And so embrace your role. Now... Nah. I want that one. And as soon as we do that, it messes the entire thing up. Because now one person is trying to play two roles. And they're not graced or gifted to play that other role. They're graced and gifted to play their role. Cut. Action. Oh, now I've got to be the paperclip person. Now what sort of cup of tea would you like, Jamie? How do you want that, mate? Okay. So when we discover this, all of a sudden we discover our individual part in that. Hear that? 
Once you discover this, you discover your individual part. If you don't discover that, your individual part is not connected to that. See, if you don't know this, the enemy comes along and says, guess what? Oh, guess what I've got for you? You You know that part that God had, the clipboard part? Throw that in the bin. You're going to be the lead actor. <laughs> You're going to be the hero of the story. Oh, I like the sound of that. That silly other person, I don't know what they're talking about. You see it, you know it, you know who I am, eh? Yeah, that's right. Oh, that feels so good. And you embrace it. But it never produces the life, eh? You try, though, and you give it your best go, eh? And then you go back and you try again and you try again and you upskill and you upskill. But you never, and even then when you get the part or whatever, you're still left empty after the movie, eh? Anyone hearing me? You feel like, I've been used. I've been abused. I hope someone's hearing me. It's in the notes. God has already set his conclusion for us as his people. Who have I said we are over the last two weeks? What's the word I've been using to describe who we are? As a people. Israel. So God has already set his conclusion for us as his people. Israel. Israel is a nation, correct? It was not an individual person even though Jacob got called Israel. Israel means the one that wrestles with God. Jacob wrestled with God, got a brand new identity, didn't he? Who was he? He was predestined, wasn't he? But how did he live? He was a deceiver, a manipulator. He wanted to be the star in his own movie. So he's predestined to be He's massive in the story, but he doesn't live out who he is in the story until he has an encounter. And someone comes along who's bigger than him <laughs> and says, oh, let's have a wrestle. Let's have a whistle, Dad. That's what Lily used to say all the time before she can out her R's. Dad, let's have a whistle. I'm like, you want a whistle? No, no, I want a whistle. And she'd get up on the couch and... You have to be careful. You get knees and the kidneys. Probably got a sore back. It's all the wrestling. (laughs) And so there's this wrestle that goes on. It's not a boxing match. You know the difference between boxing and wrestling? Submission. You see what happens in a boxing match? If someone knocks you down, you don't submit. You get knocked down. Now you can get back up because you want to fight. But in wrestling, you tap out. So someone gets you in a hold and you have to tap out. I would submit under you now. That's not boxing. And that's why they have rematch after rematch after rematch, isn't it? Because they go, I can still beat you. I know you knocked me down the first round, but I can still beat you. But in wrestling, you tap out. I've had enough. I've tried and I can't beat you. I no longer want to be the star of the movie. I want to just be in the movie. I know you've got a role for me. What is it? It's this, son. Okay, I'm ready now. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool when it works, eh? 
So he has a predetermined plan for us, and we need to know, and we need to have a deeply rooted conviction of what this is so we can live for it now. Just on page three. If our conclusion, the end, is incorrect, then our foundation, start, has a high chance of being incorrect. If our conclusion and foundation are incorrect, then our process, middle, will also be flawed. Is that a fair call? Things don't necessarily go wrong, but they start wrong. Did the disciples start with Jesus knowing the end? No. Did you? No. Did I? No. Not even close. <laughs> no, no, no. Every promise is yes or no in Christ. Ah, oh, we got a problem. NASA, we have a problem. The people don't know who they are. So the end, Isaiah says, I, God is the God who declares the end from the beginning. Why would he do that? So you can walk in accuracy and alignment to the end. So you can know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, you get lost. Did we not all start lost? And then we get found. And so when you get found, you want to know the end so you don't get lost. <laughs> Anybody here get lost? It's frightening, man. I got lost as a four-year-old in England. <laughs> this will make you laugh. Everyone goes to the beach on a sunny day in England. <laughs> Can you even imagine how many people are on the beach in England when the sun comes out? Everybody turns up at the beach. So as a four-year-old, I remember going out with my older brother and my mum, and we set up our little blanket and our little stool, you know, as you do. But from being out on the sea, you're looking back, you're like, uh-oh. So it's okay. My mum says, it's okay, follow your brother, my older brother. I'm four, he's six. Mum wanted to continue swimming. Keith knew where it was. Okay, follow him. Well, of course, as a four-year-old, you start getting attracted by other things and people. All of a sudden, you, all of a sudden you look up, and where's my brother Keith? Uh-oh, he's not there. So you walk out, and now you're looking going, oh, where's my mum and dad? <laughs> and all you can see is umbrellas and people everywhere, a lot of pasty white people. <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, oh no. And so you start to wander and drift miles away from where your camp was on the beach. And I am bawling my eyes out because I'm lost and I'm four. People can be horrible. Eh? People were laughing at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still hurts. <laughs> So I'm walking, bawling my eyes out, and I'm walking back, not knowing, and I saw Mr. Whippy. <laughs> Good old Mr. Whippy, sent from God. I thought, 
I've got no money for an ice cream. But <laughs> so I thought, I'll go to Mr. Whippy and I'll wait there. And as I'm going, I just look up and here is Superwoman, my mother, like never walked on water. Down the beach, don't get in her way. And she's sprinting. And she sees me and I see her and we just, you know, bang. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And she loved me. She did not tell me off. She covered me and then reestablished me because I got lost because I didn't know the way, but she did. I'm so grateful that's how the Father treats us when we don't know and we wander off. But his heart is to continue to bring us back, isn't it? And the challenge is there's the next time, what do I do? Because I could repeat that same behavior pattern, couldn't I? And then I'm lost again. Or I can listen, hear, and actually obey. And this is the challenge because the disciples did not start. The Israelites did not start. And I guarantee you, everyone in this room, including myself, did not start knowing the end. He says, I want to reveal it. Because it's already established. And so this is where nothing is a waste. I walk from 1997 to 2010 not knowing the end. How many years is that? From 97 to 2010. I was leading that place by that stage, not knowing the end. Is that bad? No. I'm a man on a journey of growth like you are, coming to know what I don't yet know. And that's exciting when you don't yet know what you don't yet know because it's not about me, it's about him. Don't ever make this about me, make it about him. And so I'm on this journey too, not knowing the end from the beginning, but then I hear this son come away with me. we got some things to talk about. Ooh. There are some things that you don't yet know as you ought to know, and I want to show you because there are things that are getting in your way that's also getting in the way of how you lead. And I was crazy enough but in love to go, yeah, I'm on this board because it's never been about me. It's about him. And I want his will in my life, and I want his will done because he's the builder of the house, not Greg Simmer. But I didn't know of what that journey, I didn't know what that journey would foretell. I didn't know it would just be a walk in the park and I didn't know how much it was going to cost me at the time. I didn't know what it was all going to mean, but I'd heard the word, come follow me. And so I was obedient to that word. And over 18 months, he started to show me the mindsets that I had that I thought were his. <laughs> it's quite embarrassing. Oh, but I've thought that was you. Yeah, I know. Love covers. But that could have had certain consequences. Yeah, I know, but I covered that. But what about, but what about, but what about, yeah, but you're a work in progress. <laughs> like everybody else, because it's about me. And my love covers the blindness. My love covers the deafness. My love covers the mind. My love covers it all, Greg. And so let me show you 
areas of your mindset. And then he starts to. Do you know where you find yourself most days? Weeping like a baby. Because you're realizing how wrong you're getting it, not how right you got it. But then he says this, son, get up. This is right, but now get up and walk and speak and start to declare now what you can see, the end from the beginning. Because I want all people to know the end from the beginning. So then when we arrive at the end, we are what we were at the start in Christ before it ever began, spotless, blameless, and holy before him. How amazing is that plan? Your ways are my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. You would not come up with that, Simnor. You're so right. <laughs> I was far from understanding that plan. And it's all finished. So if Isaiah is a major prophet that God used to declare to the people of God the end from the beginning, do you think that we need to know the end from the beginning? Do you think if God spoke to Abraham about the gospel before it ever was, do you think we need to know everything about what's at the end before? Do you think if the entire book is declaring the future, that God wants us to know it as his people so we can live from it? Yes, he does. It's set in blood. We don't have to make it up. We don't have to come up with it. We just have to hear it as it's said, and see it as it's written. Amen? Stop. 